So, Linda, I want you to tell us a, just a little bit about you, where, where you grew up. You know, I believe you're married to a pastor, right? Yes, Pastor LaMountain. LaMountain. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, the LaMountain last name is very, very familiar to us Adventists. And I want you to tell me how you're related to other LaMountains that we're all familiar with. There's Jennifer LaMountain. She does singing all over. She's worked for It Is Written, Voice of Prophecy. 3ABN, you've heard her sing, I'm sure. And then Lionel LaMountain is my husband's brother, and he's on Lifestyles, and he's out in Orlando, Florida. That's where they live. And his sister's in Texas, uh, Lynn LaMountain, with her husband, um, Mike Orchid. So it's Lynn Orchid. And she um, went to college, a university, to be an executive secretary. And she's the one that did all the work for uh, Sunday Sacred, from Sabbath and Sunday Sacredness by Samuel Bakioki, his first uh, book that I believe that was published. She did the whole book, Trans. Yeah. Wow. That right. sounds interesting. Yeah. Okay. Are you ready to get started here? Sure, sure. Okay. I didn't tell you about Ron Halverson, Uncle Ron Halverson. He passed away a few years ago. That was Uncle Ron, Prayer Warriors. He is was it, a big evangelist from New York. Is he your uncle? Yes, he's my husband. Yes, he's our uncle. Yeah, my on my husband's side, yes, yeah. my husband's I side. I remember Ron on, on Adventist TV. Yeah, in, uh, big 6'4". There's Ronnie, he's in Ohio, he's in the Union Conference there. Um, he's 6'7". Okay. So everybody, this is Linda LaMountain, and she's going to share with us some good words that okay. God has given to her. Thank you. <laughs> Good morning, everyone. Happy Sabbath. I guess you can hear me okay. <laughs> so anyway, uh, I, gr um, I was born over in Dayton, Washington. My mom and dad, we were there until um, I was five years old. My little sister came along. She was like about three years difference. And then... We ended up going to Wyoming, Lyman, Nebraska, Yoder, Torrington, Wyoming, and I grew up in a small Russian German community there in Yoder, Wyoming, and I remember going to the Torrington Seventh-day Adventist Church and uh, really loved going to church there, and we sat up uh, somewhere on the right of side of the pulpit, uh, all, and we, I had lots of sisters and a brother, and we all sat there very quietly. We didn't read the may, uh, a guide or a friend. My mother asked us to please be quiet, and we listened to the sermon every Sabbath, and we were very well behaved for some reason. And uh, just through it all, my mother's influence and guiding, uh, we were raised Seventh-day Adventist, generational Seventh-day Adventist. Um, she just um, instilled in us a desire to have a personal relationship with the Lord. So as little children, small children, we had a personal relationship with the Lord. Um, 
you know, and I stayed with it, um, uh, being an Adventist. My grandmother, uh, that was my mom, Lois Benninghoven. My dad, George Benninghoven, he um, never became a Seventh-day Adventist, but he just seems so much like uh, someone who was a Seventh-day Adventist. He was always kind, always loving, always caring, and I was just happy I had a, a mom and dad like that. They were, my mom had a very pleasant outgoing extroverted personality and my dad was introverted so he was real quiet but he always said important things <laughs> and just was very loving and then my grandmother Ethel Peterson uh, being raised in Adventist uh, all Bible and spirit of prophecy Ellen G White books and she really influenced us a lot and Kirk uh, Peterson, my grandfather, he wasn't an Adventist either. So, of course, you know, many years later when he was elderly, he passed away, my Kirk Peterson, my grandfather. And my grandmother was grieving, and she was at home, and she had a bookcase full of the Spirit of Prophecy books. And she said, all of a sudden, a light shone on the Spirit of Prophecy books across, all the way across, and all the way back. And she said she was very astounded by it, and she started thinking, I'm going to read those books a lot more. I mean, she really loves the Bible. I mean, my grandmother, I mean, that was the ultimate first thing in her life, uh, morning and evening worship. So anyway, that's a little story about my family. Um, then as I'm uh, going along in life and growing up and being a Seventh-day Adventist, I'm 66, be 60, I'll be 67 May 25th, 525-52. I'm an old-timer. I'm going on 70. I, I listen to sermons, and there are some uh, of these um, young men, pastors, I'm talking about Seventh-day Adventists, are giving sermons, and they said, oh, I grew up a Seventh-day Adventist. I went to the church schools and our universities and our academies, and oh, I was just really involved with the, everything in the church and all the functions. I could hardly wait to be at church every Sabbath. The, the, these are the pastors preaching, and they said, you know what? I found out it was kind of sad. I missed a lot of years of not having a personal relationship with Jesus. And uh, they're saying, I wished I would have had that personal relationship with Jesus when I was a little child. But now I am, what, 28, they're saying, or whatever age they are, 20-something. And they said, now I'm just learning. And I studied in the seminary, these young men are saying, and I'm a pastor now. I'm a young pastor. I've been pastoring a while. And here, I'm just now learning to have a personal relationship with Jesus. And so I was just thinking, well, why don't the little children have a personal relationship with Jesus? So when they're preaching or whatever they're doing in life and they're grown up 2830, they haven't missed out on that personal relationship. I don't know why they didn't have it, but I found that very interesting. I don't know <laughs> what it's all about. So anyway, I brought a few little things to read here. And I'll uh, bring them up here. 
I don't know what kind of uh, experiences people have in their lives, but uh, some of us have things happen and we're not, you know, expecting certain things to happen, right? <laughs> and then we get kind of, well, let's see, here it is. Thanks, Dan, for all of these, <laughs> too. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. It's like I wrote this poem in 1985 in December, and then I revised it and finished it in 1986 of January. Uh, copyright 1985, 1986, Linda Lee Benninghoven, Lamountain. Copyright all rights reserved. Okay. So, <laughs> um, this is a really good poem. It really touched my heart, and it just seems to really fit into what people go through. So, the name and title of the poem is Broken Silence. Now, when everyone's listening, pay attention, because the title of the poem being Broken Silence... It's actually in the poem. You'll have to figure it out, all right? <laughs> okay. We throw ourselves at our Savior's feet. With worn, torn cares, lives incomplete. Ashamed to look upon his awesome form. Seeming our life such a sinful storm. To the world, we seem so well in control. Yet, God's holy presence looks upon our soul. Perhaps our attitude, some careless word, leaving in silence the broken unheard. When spoken unduly and untimely thought, such comments and gestures discomfort have brought. Humbly, we return and attempt to amend, repenting for unkindly offending a friend. Offering prayers, reaching out with God's love, forgiveness echoing from heaven above. So I really liked writing that poem. <laughs> okay. Everyone liked it? Can everyone kind of relate to that? Get everyone warmed up, right? It's warming up in here. I like it. Ah, how about you? Are you a visitor? Have you been here before? Well, welcome. <laughs> oh, I'm in dentistry, so I'm not a preacher or anything like that. I'm just a registered dental assistant. Okay. Okay. So, anyway, Dan, you were wondering why I like these little cardboards. <laughs> well, I had ideas. Okay, I can just start anywhere with these. Okay. Okay. Um, 
let's see. I'm going to turn to Desire of Ages. By the way, this is, is this being recorded? Oh, it is. Desire of Ages, chapter 7. Oh, here it is. And uh, some of the pages, 68, 70, 73, 74. I'll just read some of this and try to find the important parts. Oh, what'd I do with my... Oh, excuse me. This is uh, Desire of Ages as a Child. And uh, this uh, is about... Uh, Jesus as a child. And, uh, of course, we know Mary and Joseph were Jesus' uh, mother, the Son of God, Jesus who came to this earth. Uh, the childhood and youth of Jesus were spent in a little mountain village, so that's where he grew up. As a child, Jesus manifested a peculiar loveliness of disposition. His willing hands were ever ready to serve others. He manifested a patience that nothing could disturb and truthfulness that would never sacrifice integrity. In principle, firm as a rock, his life revealed the grace of unselfish courtesy. And this is uh, what the character of Christ was like. I'm just looking through the pages here. Also, I know maybe uh, some of you listening here today or listening uh, to the recording, um, some of the parents uh, do homeschooling of their children, and uh, the same applied for Jesus. The child Jesus did not receive instruction in the synagogue schools. His mother was his first human teacher. From her lips and from the scrolls of the prophets, he learned of heavenly things, the very words which he himself had spoken to Moses for Israel. He was now taught at his mother's knee. As he advanced from childhood to youth, he did not seek the schools of the rabbis. He needed not the education to be obtained from such sources, for God was his instructor." Every child may gain knowledge as Jesus did, as we try to become acquainted with our Heavenly Father through his word. Angels will draw near. Our minds will be strengthened. Our characters will be elevated and refined. We shall become more like our Savior. And as we behold the beautiful and grand in nature, our affections go out after God. While the spirit is odd, the soul is invigorated by coming in contact with the infinite through his works. Communion with God through prayer develops the mental and moral faculties and the spiritual powers strengthen as we cultivate thoughts upon spiritual things. The life of Jesus was in harmony with God. When he was a child, he thought and spoke as a child, but no trace of sin marred the image of God within him. So um, if you think about it, uh, those of us or parents or our parents, they got together and we were conceived, or little children here were conceived by their parents, and, and they have the 
characteristics and genes from both the mother and the father. Well, Jesus had also the nature from Mary. Mary was not sinless, was she? His mother wasn't sinless, but she was a very righteous lady, a very righteous mother. And so he inherited her nature. And also the divine nature given through the Holy Spirit that entered Mary. So he had the divine nature. So he can really relate to us. Jesus can relate to us. Can he? Can he not? Yes. He knows what we're going through. Yes. So I'm just turning the pages here. The parents of Jesus were poor, it says, and dependent upon their daily toil. Christ was the only sinless one who ever dwelt on earth. Yet for nearly 30 years, he lived among the wicked inhabitants of Nazareth. Jesus lived in a peasant's home and faithfully and cheerfully acted his part in bearing the burdens of the household. He had been the commander of heaven, and angels had delighted to fulfill his word. Now he was a willing servant, a loving, obedient son. And I was thinking about um, being uh, an obedient child or adult and being obedient to God or children being obedient to their parents. And, uh, you know, little children, they have little um, ways about them and they listen to their mom and dad. And then sometimes... We have been children, have delayed obedience, and that may not always be good because there was a true story, and I just faintly remember it, um, something to do with the railroad track and the father and the son were somewhere around the railroad track, and the son was uh, on the railroad track, but there were trains coming and going, so you can't always tell which track the train is coming on, there's too, there are too much noise, there's too much noise coming from all the trains. But the father saw a train coming and his son didn't see it and he immediately yelled to his son, lie down now. And his son obeyed immediately and the train went over him so he was saved. And then I was talking to uh, one of my Adventist lady friends, an elderly lady, yesterday and she told me a true story about some loggers and they do this logging up in the forest and they're cutting the trees however they did it back way years ago many years ago and these trees don't always fall the way you want them to fall I was told so here's this tree big huge one it's not falling the right way one of the workers Chris was in the caterpillar and immediately has uh, one of the other workers or foreman saw, uh-oh, and yelled to Chris, get out of the caterpillar now, and he, oh, he jumped out. Down came the tree. He would have been crushed. The caterpillar was crushed, but he got out of the way just in time because he obeyed <laughs> quickly. So we as children, we may not understand why our parents are asking us to do this or that or the other thing, and they may say something to us, or what about true stories where they say, watch out, get away, and there's a rattlesnake. So, you know, we, these people don't have time to question. They have to obey 
away immediately. Woo. Uh, you know, I mean, that's important. And uh, sometimes um, there are groups that go out and they go up in the mountains or they go on hikes. You have to stay with someone. Don't go off the trail. Some people say, well, I have to go off the trail for a minute here. Make uh, sure someone goes with you and you can hear them. Hey, he's there. Yeah. <laughs> because sometimes people get lost just going a little ways off the trail. And uh, it's best to stay with your group, stay near them. Uh, also, if you ever get lost, stay near a road, stay by the water. Uh, some people have spelled out help with uh, sticks or stones. So we must always obey our parents <laughs> just to be safe. <laughs> All right, and it's always good to listen to our moms and dads because you know what? Mother's Day is coming up and Father's Day is coming up. My father, uh, my dad, he passed away. He was 85 in 2000, June 11th, one week before Father's Day. And I really witnessed to him, so I hope he gave his life to the Lord because I was praying the whole time I was witnessing to him on the phone, and he just may be in heaven. You know, he, he passed away, and so <clears throat> then my mother passed away November 9th, 2017, and we had 12 miracles with my mom. We almost lost her 12 different times, and so we're glad that we had our mother for 85 years, <laughs> And so, anyway, uh, she was just a wonderful influence on all of the family. Actually, I'm the only one of the girls. I have three sisters. I'm the oldest and my brother. I'm the only one that remained an Adventist. Um, well, now my one sister, that's right, she's just now coming back to church. And then my other sisters, they go to a Sunday church, and I guess my brother goes to a Sunday church. So anyway, that's how our family went. <laughs> Let's see, did I read this? Jesus carried into his labor cheerfulness intact. It requires much patience and spirituality to bring, what do we bring? Here's what we bring. Bible religion into the home and into the workshop to bear the strain of worldly business and yet keep the eye single to the glory of God. This is where Christ was a helper. He was never so full of worldly care as to have no time or thought for heavenly things. Often he expressed the gladness of his heart by singing psalms and heavenly songs. Oh, wouldn't that have been nice to hear? Often the dwellers in Nazareth heard his voice Raised in praise and thanksgiving to God, he held communion with heaven in song. And as his companions complained of weariness from labor, they were cheered by the sweet melody from his lips. His praise seemed to banish the evil angels and, like incense, fill the place with fragrance. The mind of his hearers were carried away from their earthly exile to the heavenly home. <clears throat> Jesus was the fountain of healing mercy for the world, and through all those secluded years at Nazareth, his life flowed out in currents of, burden, uh, currents of sympathy 
and tenderness. The aged, the sorrowing, and the sin-burdened, the children at play in their innocent joy, the little creatures of the groves, the patient beasts of burden, all were happier for his presence. Whose presence? Jesus' presence. And what do we want as little children? To have Jesus' presence in our lives so we can say, I have a personal walk with my Savior and Lord. Mm-hmm. And he whose word of power upheld the worlds would stoop to relieve a wounded bird. We heard the story about the little birdies flying, learning to fly. There was nothing beneath his notice, nothing to which he disdained to minister. Thus, as he grew in wisdom and stature, Jesus increased in favor with God and man. He drew the sympathy of all hearts by showing himself capable of sympathizing with all. Well, I don't want to run out of time here. I, I want to read something. Uh, the title of the sermon, uh, I want to make sure that I include that, right? Mm -hmm. Adventist home. These are by uh, these books are by Ellen G. White too. I'm just reiterating there. Adventist home, early writings. Okay, I just came prepared to read whichever one I chose. Okay, <clears throat> early writings, experiences, experience and views. Uh, I guess it's my first vision, page sixteen and seventeen. And this is about the white mantle. Let's see, 16. Talks about when Jesus is coming in the clouds of glory, then all faces gathered paleness, and those that God had rejected gathered blackness. This is when Jesus in the second coming comes in the clouds of glory. He doesn't come secretly. Every eye will see him. Then we all cried out, who shall be able to stand? Is my robe spotless? Then the angels ceased to sing. And there was some time of shh, awful silence when Jesus spoke. Those who have clean hands and pure hearts shall be able to stand. My grace is sufficient for you. At this, our faces are lighted up, and joy filled every heart. And the angels struck a note higher and sang again, while the cloud drew still nearer the earth. Then Jesus' silver trumpet sounded as he descended on the cloud, wrapped in flames of fire. He gazed upon the graves of the sleeping saints, then raised his eyes and hands to heaven and cried, Awake, 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 ye that sleep in the dust, and arise. And uh, that's what happens when uh, the, the loved ones and people we know, uh, they pass away, they're in that grave until Jesus comes. And it's a wonderful awakening time. The first person they witness and see, too, as they're coming up out of the grave, they get to see their guardian angel. And in fact, when they're in heaven, you know, because it takes seven days to go to heaven, when they're up in heaven, uh, they're going to hear a voice behind them. 
and everyone recognizes different friends, voices, and loved ones, and they'll hear this voice, and they'll say, wait a minute, I know that voice. They turn around and look, and there's their guardian angel, and this is up in heaven. It's like, I used to hear that voice on earth, so you know our guardian angels speak to us. We have a guardian angel, each one of us. Our guardian angel speaks to us, and, and, and also sometimes the Holy Spirit and uh, to warn us or guide us. <clears throat> so here, awake, 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 ye that sleep in the dust and arise. Then there was a mighty earthquake. The graves opened and the dead came up clothed with immortality. So those that were in the graves, they go up to meet the Lord first, and then those who are alive and remain go up to meet the Lord together and up in the clouds. The 144,000 shouted, Hallelujah, as they recognized their friends who had been torn from them by death. And in that same moment, we were changed and caught up together with them to meet the Lord in the air. We all entered the cloud together and were seven days. How many days? Seven days ascending to the sea of glass. When Jesus brought the crowns and with his own right hand placed them on our heads, he gave us harps of gold and palms of victory. Well, that must be interesting to have palms. <laughs> Here on the sea of glass, the 144,000 stood in a perfect square. Some of them had very bright crowns, others not so bright. Some crowns appeared heavy with stars, while others had but few. All were perfectly satisfied with their crowns, and, and they were all clothed with a glorious white mantle. So what were they clothed with? A glorious white mantle or white robe, and also the robe of light, like Adam and Eve had. From their shoulders to their feet, angels were all about us as we marched over the sea of glass to the gate of the city. Jesus raised his mighty glorious arm, laid hold on the pearly gate, swung it back on his glittering hinges, and said to us, You have washed your robes in my blood, stood stiffly for my truth, enter in. We all marched in and felt that we had a perfect right in the city. Here we saw the tree of life and the throne of God out of the throne. Well, evidently the tree of life was on either side. It was like connected somehow. Here we saw the tree of life and the throne of God. Out of the throne came a pure river of water. On either side of the river was the tree of life. I guess they joined together up at the top, came together. And on, either, uh, on one side of the river bank, or river, was a trunk of a tree and and a trunk on the other side of the river, both of pure, transparent gold. At first, I thought I saw two trees. I looked again and saw that they were united at the top in one tree. So it was uh, the tree of life on either side of the river of life. Uh-huh. Its branches, branches mm-hmm, the branches bowed to the place where we stood. And the fruit was glorious. It looked like gold mixed with silver. And so then I'm not going to read all that because it tells other little stories. I'm supposed to stop at 12, right? Oh. Well, it looks... Oh, yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> justification. We all know we, uh, who's famous for justification. 
And then there's sanctification, that's a work of a lifetime. And we also need purification, uh, that's the water and the cleansing like the laver. And then, then the cor of course, glorification is like when Jesus comes at the second coming, comes from heaven, down from heaven. And uh, then we're glorified at that time because remember when Moses' face was shining when he came down the Mount Sinai and was bringing the Ten Commandments? Huh? The glory, gl the glory was shining on his face. Glory. So we'll have the glorification at the second coming. I mean, I don't think our faces are glowing now. Our robes will be white. Uh, oh, I'm just saying that our faces will shine. Our face. Well, um, but Adam and Eve, their, their robes were like uh, uh, white. Like they glowed. Their robes were white, but they glowed. Right, yes, yes. Righteousness, yes. Because um, like when the righteous are living here on earth and they're alive when Jesus comes, I mean, their faces are pale when he's coming. Who shall be able to stand? And then he says, my grace is sufficient for you. I didn't read it here. There, I have it all. But I didn't know how long all this would take. I didn't practice. And so when Jesus is coming in the clouds of glory and they realize, he says, my grace is sufficient for you at some, at some point in time during that, um, they, their faces light up. Yeah. Thank you. Well, anyway, um, thank you, everyone. And <laughs> I didn't know how much time to take or how much time everything would take. And I hope everyone has a blessed Sabbath. And Make sure, all you little boys and girls, that you learn to have a personal walk and personal relationship with Jesus because you don't want to be preaching somewhere when you're in your late 20s and saying, I missed out. I was going to church to see my friends and my friends and our forever friend is Jesus. Amen. Thank you.